Yeah, I'm Mike. I'm not John. <laughs> hey, before we uh, change, I'd like to uh, have you stand with me. And the, these guys uh, rehearse every week. They rehearse at home. Uh, they prepare so that they can minister to the Lord, and the goal is to participate with you, have you participate with the worship team, and I, I just love and appreciate these guys so much, and I just wanted to recognize them and just honor them. Would you join me in just honoring these guys? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, guys. Okay. Okay, I'm done. <laughs> Thank you. You may be seated. My name is Mike Farias. I'm the bass player. Yeah, amen. Um, Pastor John is uh, away this morning. Uh, he was notified that he had a family, family emergency, a, a death in the family. I'm not sure if it's a, a funeral or what exactly is happening, but he had to uh, fly out this morning. And so we want to remember him in prayers. In fact, let's just, let's just pray right now for that. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the privilege of being able to come into your throne. And Lord, we just remember our pastor this morning. And Lord, we ask that you give him traveling mercies, that you be with him, and that you use him to minister to the hurting and to, to the pain wherever he is this morning and whatever he has to do in the next couple of days. Give him traveling mercies and uh, bring him back to us, Lord, full of energy we pray in Jesus' name, amen. The topic that Pastor John had asked me to preach on this morning is when the storm hits hard. When he asked me to speak on that, I immediately got nervous. And I'm thinking, I hope he's not being prophetic and there's a, a hard-hitting storm that's going to come my way. And then I thought, well, Probably that's not the case, but more than likely, he realizes that somebody of my age has probably been through a storm or two in my life. Uh, more than once, I have experienced that, and I'm going to be sharing with you a little bit of my story this morning as we look into the Word of God. We're going to be in Acts chapter 27. If you want to follow along in a Bible and you don't have one, just slip up your hand. One of our team members will put a Bible in your hand. But we will also be having the text on the screen behind me, so you can follow along in that manner if you'd like. I want to give you a little bit of backstory of the book of Acts, and we've been looking at the book of Acts, chapter 27. And the book of Acts tells about the birth of the church and the spread of Christianity. The young church was met with persecution and trials and trouble early on. Particularly damaging was a man named Saul. And in Acts 8.3, the Bible tells us that Saul was ravaging the church and entering house after house, he dragged off men and women and committed them to prison. In Acts chapter 9, we read that Saul was apprehended. He was apprehended by Jesus. He is given orders by the Lord and he is left blinded and told to wait for further instructions. The Lord then appears to a believer named Ananias. In a vision, he is instructed by the Lord to go see Saul and to lay hands on him and to pray for him and that he would receive his sight back. And Ananias responded to the Lord and said, I've heard of this guy and he's, uh, 
he's bad news. He's evil. I don't want to go. But God prevails and Ananias does go. And in Acts chapter 9, the 15th verse, but the Lord said to him, meaning Ananias, go, for he is a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. I want you to get this this morning. God needed someone, an instrument of his choosing for a unique and specific purpose. That unique and specific purpose was to carry the name of Jesus to the Jews and to the Gentiles and to kings. Of all the people on the planet that God could have chosen, he picked Saul, this guy who was raising havoc with the church. But the Lord meets him, he has an encounter, his life is completely transformed, and ultimately he accomplishes the divine purpose that God had planned for his life. Ananias, he knows the plan. In a vision, Ananias understands that the plan is this guy Saul, he is going to minister to Gentiles, he's going to minister to Jews, he's going to minister to kings. But Paul, he doesn't know the plan. God doesn't tell Paul the plan or Saul the plan, he just tells it to Ananias. All Saul knows is he had this amazing encounter with the Lord, his life was disrupted, and now he has been apprehended by the Lord. Saul is on a boat, he becomes the Apostle Paul, and he is heading to Rome when the storm hits hard. My wife probably won't want me to say this, but I'm going to say it anyhow. I have been apprehended more than once by police. Yeah, somebody thinks that's funny. But only one time by Jesus. And I was thinking that when I got apprehended by Jesus at the age of 24, I never again got apprehended by police. That's a good thing. One of my favorite scriptures is Philippians 3.12, and it says, I follow after that I may apprehend that for which I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. Paul was apprehended for a purpose. I was apprehended for a purpose. And you have been apprehended for a purpose. Let's pick up the story. We're in Acts chapter 27, in verse 13. Now when the south wind blew gently, supposing that they had obtained their purpose, they weighed anchor and sailed along Crete, close to the shore. Supposing that they had obtained their purpose. How wonderful. Smooth sailing, enjoying the Christian life, obtaining our purpose. But what exactly is your purpose? Well, you might say heaven. Well, that's your ultimate destination. But in the meantime, what is it? What's your purpose? Why have you been apprehended by the Lord? I'm assuming you've been apprehended. I hope you've been apprehended. If not, maybe today you'll be apprehended by the Lord. Paul had been apprehended for a purpose, for God's purpose. 
there was a three-point purpose to the purpose, and that was to carry his name before the Gentiles, the Jews, and the kings. Paul was destined to preach before kings, and he didn't even know it. How would that be possible? How would it be possible that he would stand before kings, the ruler of nations? Would it really happen? God has a purpose in your life, and he has a purpose in my life, and I know what it is. I knew shortly after I was saved or born again at 24 years of age, because shortly after that I was called by God to be used by him to preach the gospel, to spread the gospel, and for kingdom building, simply an instrument used by God. That's all, that's all I wanted. That's all I knew. Didn't know what was next. I just knew that I was messed up. I had a transformation in my life, and now I was to be used for God's purpose. So I packed up my wife and three little kids and went off to Bible school at a small evangelistic organization that had a global vision. I received a ministerial credential, became a pastor, and was sailing smoothly in a gentle wind. What more could I ask for? I had supposed that I had obtained my purpose. Paul was on the boat, sailing smoothly on his way to Rome to stand before Caesar. Paul had already shared the gospel with Felix, who was a governor. He had already shared the gospel before King Agrippa, who was the king of Judea. And now he is heading to Rome, supposing that he had obtained his purpose. In verse 14, But not long after, there arose a tempestuous headwind called Eurocladon. Now, I know that your Bible probably doesn't say Eurocladon. I prefer the King, King James Version. And the word Eurocladon is found one place in the entire Bible in the King James Version, and it's right here. Eurocladon. Verse 15, so when the ship was caught and could not head into the wind, we let her drive. And running under the shelter of an island called Clauda, we secured the skiff with difficulty. After hoisting it up, they used supports to undergird the ship. Then fearing that they would run aground on the quicksand, they lowered the gear, and thus they were driven along. Not long after, smooth sailing, Eurocladon hit. There will always be a Eurocladon. Your Bible probably says a nor'easter. It was difficult for me the last couple of days as I was preparing this and I was thinking about when the big storm hits and I'm thinking about the East Coast and I'm thinking about Haiti. At the conclusion of this service this morning, one of our elders, Justin Cohenshaw, he's going to come and he's going to pray. We're, we're going to pray for the people in Haiti. A thousand lives lost, the East Coast just being battered. What a mess. And here I am preparing and talking about when a big storm hits. But big storms, they do hit. And they hit us personally. And they hit our lives. So they were hit as they were sailing. And it was so strong, they fought just to survive. 
afraid they would be swallowed up by the quicksand. Their only hope was just to ride it out and to be driven by Eurachlodon. When Eurachlodon hits your life, it rocks your world. It comes quickly. It comes powerfully. It can come in the form of employment issues, financial stress, and hardship. It can hit you in your marriage and suck the life out of your home. Eurachlodon does not discriminate. You can never be too young. It can affect your kids at school. There are bullies everywhere. You are not exempt because of your age. It can attack your body and your health. It can penetrate your mind in the form of stress and anxiety and fear and depression. Loneliness, relationships are tested and challenged. You cannot outsmart its influence, nor can you outrun it. It is, it is your rockladon. It can destroy your confidence. Can I, can I do this? Am I cut out for college? Am I cut out for my calling? Am I cut out for my career choice? Am I cut out to be a mom? Am I cut out to be a dad? Am I making the right life choices? It can mess with you. It is atmospheric pressure that surrounds you. It can cause you to second guess yourself. The pressure can come from peers. If you don't conform to their unsavory ways, they will reject you like an old flip phone. If you do conform, you'll likely experience rejection from the religious people in church. It can wake you suddenly at 3 o'clock in the morning and rob you of sleep. It will tempt you to numb yourself with alcohol and drugs. You do not experience Eurachlodon alone. You may think that you can handle it alone and that you experience it alone, but you cannot and you do not. It is evident to those closest to you to those that you love the most. It is evident that Eurachlodon is all over you and it has hit. You feel its fury and so do they. It's Eurachlodon. And Paul was right in the middle of it, right in the heart of it. I have experienced Eurachlodon more than once. After 10 years of full-time pastoral ministry, it was time to do what God had next. So I had participated in a small startup ministry that a, a friend of mine had began, stepped aside from my senior pastor role, and soon I realized that there was no money to pay me. I had to support a family of five, and it's like, there's no money, what am I going to do? So I told him, I'm, I'm going to step aside from full-time ministry for a while, I'm going to work in my family's financial condition, but I'll be back. So I reacquired my plumbing contractor's license that had been on the shelf for a decade, hadn't used it for more than 10 years, never thought I would need it again or use it again, but I reactivated it. I put an ad in the local paper and I began to hustle up some work. I began to see a big picture and have this grand vision of what God had purposed for me to do and how this would fund my calling and future ministry. I would become a subject matter expert. I would teach plumbing contractors how to succeed. I would become a brand and franchise the model. 
So I cashed in my ministry retirement account of $7,000. I sold my wife's minivan and jumped into the boat of entrepreneurship. Or maybe it was entrapment ship. I don't know, but I jumped in the boat. I had no money. I had no clients. I had no business acumen. I had no idea how to pull this off. I don't have an MBA. I have a GED. So how am I going to do this? What a crazy idea. What was I thinking? Against the advice of others, I did it anyhow. Like when you're standing over a golf ball and you know you shouldn't hit the shot, but you do it anyhow. Not long after, Eurachlodon hit. My wife and I, we were now empty nesters in our early 40s. We were struggling. I was pouring all of my energy into this big idea and this grand vision. She had found employment and we were doing life in a storm. Eurachlodon hit in the form of marriage trouble. Counseling ensued. We began to try to figure this out and work it out. She began to have a battle with anxiety and depression. Childhood anxiety and depression issues began to rear up. So more counseling. And I'm thinking, I don't get it. What's with the anxiety? What's with the depression? Just snap out of it, woman. Let's move on. What's the problem? You were a pastor's wife, and now you're a plumber's wife? Okay, I get that one. We were in the midst of a remodel, so we're living in a half-finished house. She's living with me, this dreamer, who's a, who is obsessed with this big idea. Well, I get that too. I guess that can cause some childhood anxiety issues to surface. We were not living in Eureka. We were living in Eurachlodon. And we both knew it. What do you do when Eurachlodon hits? What do you do when you're living in the midst of a storm? What do, what do you do? Well, we can look at what Paul did when he was in the midst of the storm in that sea in verse 18, since we were violently storm-tossed, they began the next day to jettison the cargo. And on the third day, they threw the ship's tackle overboard with their own hands. Of course, when your octodon hits, we want to lighten the load. Take stress off the boat or we're going down. Jettison the cargo is code. It's code for throw stuff overboard. Let's start getting rid of stuff. If we don't start getting rid of stuff and lighten the load, we're going to sink. We're going to go down. It's going to be the end. We're done. So two days before Thanksgiving one year, the wife of my youth came to me and said, I can't work on myself and work on our marriage and stay living here. I'm moving out. And I'm thinking, well, 
that doesn't lighten the load. That kind of adds, adds to the load. But she packed her bags and she left and went to live with a Elizabeth, a longtime friend of ours. A short time later, I'm clearing a sewer in the rain across the street from one of the board members of my former church. And I see them pull into their driveway, and I'm clearing the sewer in the muck and in the rain, and I'm praying they don't see me. And I'm thinking, Lord, I know that you can make the blind to see, but can you make the seeing blind for just a minute? And my plumbing truck's an ambulance. I mean, it like sticks out. And the Lord did not answer my prayers. They see me and they look over and they say, hey, Pastor Farius, how are you doing? And I'm like, oh, praise the Lord, hallelujah. <laughs> doing great, brother. But the reality was not how am I doing, it's what am I doing. I've got the call of God on my life, or so I thought. I thought I was apprehended for a purpose. And here I am, mucking in sewers, thinking, where did this go wrong? This was not what I saw. This is not what I thought. What happened? A few weeks later, I get a letter from the denomination that I have my ministerial credentials with. And I opened the letter, and it said, due to inactivity, we are rescinding your credential. And I'm thinking, well, wait a minute. I spent a long time getting this credential. I did a lot of study. I did a lot of work, pastoring for 10 years. And now because I'm not active, they're taking my credential. And I began to wonder, do I even have the ability anymore to hear from God? Am I so far removed that, that I'm not sure of his voice anymore? And, and is this big idea and this grand vision, is this just something that I conjured up? Or is it God? Is there a purpose for my life? Verse 20. Aren't you glad we don't have to wrap up yet? Now when neither sun nor stars appeared for many days, no small tempest beat on us. All hope that we should be saved was finally given up. You ever feel like that? Like you're in the midst of Eurachlodon and it's no small tempest and it's just beating on you and beating on you? And they thought that hope, one guy in the whole place gets, gets what I'm talking about. And I know him, and I know he knows what I'm talking about. Thank you for that, Ron. When your Rockladon hits, it can feel hopeless. It can look hopeless. And people will tell you, it's hopeless. You will be tempted to lighten the load, to throw precious cargo overboard, to give up and to quit. But don't do it. God has a purpose. God has a plan. 
You endure your Rockladon. You endure it by being well grounded in God's word. You do it by being well surrounded by God's people. I'm sure Paul was thinking that this is probably the end. All hope was lost. But God has a plan and a purpose, and he will not be denied. He will never fail. You can have confidence in God. Paul is not going under. He's going to Rome. All hope is suddenly not lost. Roly, can I have some accompaniment up here, please? I don't know where he disappeared to. Here he comes. Thank you, Roly. There were many times over the years that I wondered about my purpose in my ministry. The heavenly vision, the big idea, had I completely missed God? But I would stay the course. I would ride out the storm. I would let it drive me. And I would endure it. After a year of counseling, personal counseling, marriage counseling, my wife going to counseling, and much hard work, my wife came back, and we are whole, and in April we will celebrate 45 years of marriage. Amen. Hope is not lost. Today, that little one-truck ambulance operation that I started over 20 years ago is beyond my wildest dreams. It is a successful franchise operation that my children run. Hope is not lost. My ministerial credential has been reissued, and I participate in kingdom-building initiatives. Last year, I became the president of the little evangelistic organization that I got saved in and went to Bible school in. Hope is not lost. I am not sharing these things with you to boast, but to boost, to boost your faith. I don't have time to tell you of my wife's battle with breast cancer seven years ago, but there she sits. I don't have time to tell you about my experience with kidney cancer four years ago and having my kidney ripped out, but here I am. Hope is not lost. I only have time to tell you that with Jesus, hope is not lost. There was a man from Decapolis who was homeless, and he was messed up, and he'd run around naked, and people couldn't find him. They'd try and put chains on him and, and tie him up and captivate him, but he'd just bust them loose. And he was messed up until he had an encounter with Jesus. And then the, the community heard about it and they came out to look at the guy. You know the type, you see him, talking to themselves, yelling to themselves, untamed, uncontrollable. And this guy had a meeting with Jesus and they found him there fully dressed in his right mind, sitting at the feet of the Lord. All hope is not lost. There was a woman who had a blood issue for 12 years. The Bible says she spent everything going to doctors, trying to get made whole, trying to get a solution to this medical issue, and she couldn't get it solved. And she heard about Jesus. He was in town. He was walking by. And this weak lady who'd spent everything and had no hope hears about him, and she presses through the crowd. 
and she's able to reach out as they're passing by, just, just touches the hem of his garment, and immediately she was made whole. There is hope with Jesus. Jesus had a friend, Lazarus. He was sick, and they send for Jesus and say, hey, your friend Lazarus, he's, he, he's sick, would you come? Three days later, the Lord shows up, and they say, well, too late, Lazarus, he died. If you'd have been here, Lord, he'd have been okay, but he died. And Jesus said, this sickness is not unto death. Whatever you're dealing with, it's not unto death. Whatever you're you're experiencing, it's not unto death. And Jesus shouted out, Lazarus, come forth. And he that was dead got up. With Jesus, all hope is not lost. The lame are made to walk. The blind are made to see. He gives hope to the hopeless. Jesus and his disciples were in a boat. They needed to get to the other side of the lake. And a storm hits. And the disciples are freaking out. And they're starting to panic. And they're starting to get paranoid. And they're looking around. Where's the Lord? Where's Jesus? Look at what's coming upon us. Where is he? And they find him sleeping in the bottom of the boat. And they wake him up. Lord, don't you care? Don't you care that we're perishing? Of course he cares. And he got up and he said, to the storm, peace, be still. And there was peace. There will always be storms. And the storms will always end. Make sure that Jesus is in the boat with you. I want him in the boat in my life. I'm going to ask for the prayer team to, to come up, for the worship team to come up. And if you are in a storm this morning and you would like prayer, you would like us to pray with you and ask God to see you through this storm, I, I want you to get up and come down here and find a place of prayer. These awesome people, they will pray with you. If you're here this morning and you're in that storm, your Oclodon has hit, and you know it's hit. Spend some time with the Lord. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that we can boldly access your throne. And Lord, I pray for anybody in this building this morning. Lord, I know there are some who are going through storms. There can't be this many people in a room without some going through storms. Your Oclodon has hit, and hit, it is hit hard, and it, it is hit in one shape, way, form, or another. And, and Father, this morning, I just pray that you would be with those who are experiencing your Oclodon in their life. Lord, that you would minister to them, 
that you would assure them that you have a purpose for their life, that you have apprehended them for a purpose and for a cause, and it is for your purpose. And Lord, that when your hits, that you would minister to them, that they would know that you are with them in the boat, that all they have to do is ask you, Lord, don't you care that I'm perishing here? Don't you care that it's hit hard? Father, minister to those. Lord, minister to those here today that need your touch. Thank you and pray in Jesus' name. Amen.